I'm gonna create a anti Gary Ham club. There to you compete, go, That's... and we'll just talk trash about you all day. I, I think that club exists already, though. You should sign up. <laughs> I tend to just sketch new things all the time. I uh, rarely go back and do the sort of same thing all over again, which I did do a lot when I was a tattoo race, so. You know, like, remember those old video stores where the triple X section was, like, the behind the drape? That's going to be Mighty <laughs> Jacks at, at conventions. They're going to be, like, in the yeah, back corner. It. You have to open yeah. a drape to go see their stuff. Hey, toy family. This is the Marsham Toy Hour, where we discuss anything and everything designer toys. I'm Gary Ham. I'm Teresa Hawkins. And no George today, Teresa. But you know what's weird? We're recording on a Saturday during the day. It's actually sunlight, so this is quite different for us. We don't usually record this early. Well, not not only this early, but also on the weekend. So yeah, it's it's different. But I know George had other stuff going on, so totally understand. But there is a reason. There is a reason, and that reason is we're being joined by a UK artist. And anyone who's familiar with our our time frames are, are very different. There's nine hours between us, so. We're recording during the day. It's nighttime for her. Um, this is someone I've wanted to have on since the early days of the podcast. We're, we're a couple of years old now, so um, we've talked several times trying to get her on, but I've always had a tough time um, trying to make the, the time frame work. So I'm glad and excited that she's finally able to join us. She is a rising and very bright shining star of our toy scene. She's a Swede, now living in the UK. She's a mother of two, and yet somehow still finds the, the time to be a, a production powerhouse. She's an incredible talent um, in many different mediums, but what she's probably most known for are her beautiful and creative custom creations. She is the creator and mind behind Tomodachi Island. So let's welcome Emily Jensen. Welcome, Emily. Hello, thank you. <laughs> hello, hello. Hello, hello. It's great to finally talk to you and hear your voice. I know we've been trying to get this thing going for, for oh, geez, it seems like two years. And I mean, I had to wait till you had yep. two kids, you know? I couldn't just do it when you had the one. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> Just to make it a bit more exciting. Oh, we like a challenge. Yeah, bigger challenge indeed. <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate you coming on because I know um, your family's not feeling well. It's 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 like late, it's late there. It's 9 p.m. and you just got the girls to bed. So um, hopefully they'll sleep a little long enough for us to do a little chit-chat. Yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> I, trust me, I know. They can wake up at any moment. So I know we're on borrowed time here, so... Emily, so I did I did some research, I did some backstory, and so I know that you lived in Sweden, and it sounded like from there, uh, in Sweden, you worked um, as an artist for 12 years, and so what, what kind of artist, like, what kind of employment as a creative did you have in Sweden? Um, I was generally a tattooist back then, okay. so I spent many, many years just becoming a tattooist, back and forth, and then I only spent a few years actually working as one because it kind of burnt me out completely and I just gave it up in the end and I moved over here to the UK because of it because I needed a change in my life basically. Okay so you spent all these years training or probably shadowing other tattoo artists and once you started doing it for yourself as a profession is just was it just a case of you just didn't find the work fulfilling? Yeah that's it I um like I said I worked for many years just to become a tattooist so Obviously, it was something I, I really massive passion for. And then, yeah, when I started working, I guess the constant pressure from customers, um, well, generally always knowing better than you and then coming in a few 
months later saying they want to change things is kind of hard, isn't it? So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the the canvas you're working on is sort of permanent. Kind of, I would. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I could ever be a, a tattooist in any regard. So I have a high respect for anyone who can do that sort of work. So the fact that you did it for that many, you know, for several years is really impressive. But so then you moved on. So you didn't find it fulfilling. Then you moved from Sweden to the UK. Mm -hmm. And from there, you studied three years in computer animation, in which you now hold your um, Bachelor of Associates mm -hmm. degree in um, computer animation. Did you ever do any sort of work in that field? Uh, no, I didn't. Um, I... Uh... Uh, what happened after we were done? I, I met my other half there as well. So uh, during the uh, the degree, uh, so when we were done with that, we um, moved to Bournemouth, where I live now, uh, where my other half went on to do his master's. So I kind of just followed him here, and I kind okay. of worked on my own business a little bit, but it became really stressful. So I I took a part time job at a pet store as well. <laughs> So I never had the chance really to to explore that bit more, or maybe I didn't really. I don't know. Really hard to explain, <laughs> but I think it's the same thing there. You know, it kind of I don't know stopped me from wanting to draw and things like that. <laughs> I think that's just what yeah. I was supposed to do: was to draw, make art, use my hands. You know, that's where I'm happiest when when something comes in between me, like a computer that kind of right in a way, uh, holds you back, I think. You feel like there's a sense of detachment. Yeah. You really like working with your hands. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So, I don't know. I've, I've tried all of these different kind of parts, but it's not really been my thing. <laughs> now, what I know is you're, you're amazing. You're an amazing talent. You're so skilled, and like I mentioned in your intro, like, you can do you're doing you can do beautiful pencil sketches and then uh, gorgeous computer rendering to renderings to paintings and you're sculpting and you also know computer animation like you're all over the place. <laughs> so how did you get into designer toys and then really it seems like you started making a name for yourself doing customization work? Yeah, I uh, I've always been sort of in in the background I guess in designer toys. I've always loved designer toys. Um, I've I'm not a big collector, mainly because I can't afford to collect, but <laughs> I'm sure if I had more money, I would have a lot more toys. Um, sure. But I've always, you know, been watching the scene and I always loved it. And I was terrified of getting in there myself just to, I don't know, disappoint myself maybe in a way. Um, so I did a, a toy, must have been around 2013 maybe, um, which came out horrendous i hated it so much um, <laughs> well it was your first it was your first yeah, right our was. first one's always not that great no yeah. no that's it and that kind of put me off i didn't want to do any more after that <laughs> so um i did one sculpture as well in between uh which was kind of half sculpty half fabric kind of thing and um from there, I kind of got really stuck in the sculpting. I loved using it, so um, I sculpted a lot for myself for a while until I felt more confident with the medium, I guess. And, um, yeah, I did a tricky. It actually came out as I wanted it. So I posted that up and on my Instagram, and it got a little bit of, you know, attention. Not, not much at all, but a little bit, and it was enough to encourage me. That's awesome. Yeah. So it was about two years between the time that you did your first custom that you weren't happy with at all yeah. before until you did the, the tricky that you were actually happy yeah, with, right? Yeah, that's it, yeah. 
what did you learn between like those two periods? Like what, what words of wisdom would you give a first customizer just starting out? Like what did you learn in that two years that you think you could probably pass down some knowledge to some people just starting out? Well, I, I think I was being a bit silly, first of all, with sharing my work. I think I should have done that earlier because it helps a lot just having other people's opinions just to push you in the right direction as well and, and new confidence, I guess. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I think it's really important just to get to know your medium as well. Obviously, I work with Sculpey a lot. Uh, it's definitely my favourite thing to work with. Uh, but it took a long time to, to, to get to know it, and I still am, you know, nearly four years later I'm still learning things about it so so you're completely self-taught then yeah completely I you know I spend a lot of time on the internet just researching and finding new techniques and things like that it's just really important to me to be the best I can be within whatever I choose to do so yeah just you know work hard uh research and yeah yeah, I mean, I think that makes total sense because you're so amazing and skilled in so many other different mediums that I think when you went to do something like your your first custom or your your early sculpting days, that you would have also very high expectations for yourself because I, I would imagine in your mind, you know what you can do or what you want to do, and but your early skill set just wasn't allowing you to get there so I can understand where the frustration would be with your with your first piece but then you are motivated enough to really practice and learn and and get yourself to where you're finally happy with your first one yeah that's it definitely I think getting an airbrush helped me a lot as well because I I love everything to be very clean um yeah I don't like seeing brush strokes which is horrible but <laughs> I don't know why I'm like that but I'd like to get my pieces as close to a production piece as I can, if that makes sense. Yeah, of course. But obviously, I spend an awful lot of time sanding and just perfecting things. I Sometimes I just have to tell myself, that, you know, enough is enough. <laughs> yeah, you have to know when to stop. Yeah. 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 But the work definitely shows. I mean, I think I'm also the same way as a collector. I very much like stuff to be clean and, you know, a quality piece and so i know from everything i've seen fr from you you're definitely doing a fantastic job so if you ever doubt yourself don't because your stuff is killer <laughs> thank you oh yeah i mean yeah your stuff is an, an incredible i think i th first saw your stuff in 2015 and it really didn't seem like it took long for you to establish yourself in the custom scene like it didn't seem difficult for you the the toy community seemed to embrace you really quickly, and I started seeing your. It seemed like your name was in a lot of shows, uh, especially over the past couple of years. You've you've done a lot of custom shows, so I mean, from your perspective, did it seem that way? Did it seem like the toy scene embraced your work early on? Yeah, it definitely did. I think it encouraged me a lot because I did get a lot of good feedback on the first sort of things I, I decided to to actually share. And that helped me and push and really pushed me to to continue. And you know, I was super excited. So yeah, definitely, everybody's been really good to me <laughs> from day one. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> good. And I hear that all the time from newcomers about how great the toy community is in that regard. They're very supportive and embracing of new artists. I mean, actually, I think it was um, Martian Toys, um, Aaron, in the beginning. He was probably one of your early supporters, and he, I think, he might have been the one that turned me on to you. I think actually. But um, you know, speaking of the toy community, it's like that's why we say, you know, hey, toy family in the beginning of the intro, because it does feel like a family. I mean, dysfunctional at times, but 
uh, definitely a family with a lot of shared common ground. And um, and I think it's really easy to talk to artists. In fact, when you were first starting out, did you contact artists and you know, like people that you found inspirational and ask them for advice and help? Or did you pretty much just stay to yourself and just kind of watch from afar? I uh, pretty much stayed myself. The only thing I actually asked was how to get hold of a blank dunny. I didn't realize that they didn't come blank, basically. Um, that's the only oh. thing I actually asked another artist. And other than that, I, I've been on my own. I uh, I just don't want to bother people. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I'm com- completely on my own. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, there's so many artists in the UK, though. Do you ever get to meet, like, maybe hang out and get to talk with other UK artists like Squink or JPK or uh, Map Map? Or is it just one of those things where you only get to see them once a year at ToyCon UK? Yeah, that's it. Once a year. Uh, we're so spread out, most of us. Um, yeah, it's just ToyCon, really. Um, we've tried to get some things together. I know they met up um, just before Christmas. Not last year, but the one the one before, uh, they met up in London as well. But I couldn't go, unfortunately. Uh, it would have been nice. No, it would have been <laughs> awesome. But from my perspective, you know, just watching from afar, it does seem like the UK-based artists uh, have like um like a special bond or like a unique like allegiance towards one another. I, I guess I guess that's regional, and and maybe it's the same for you. Like watching the stateside artists, maybe it seems like we all have a unique bond, you know, because you see us all at the same conventions a lot of the time. And But it does seem like, you know, you being in the UK, like it seems like a lot of the UK artists probably do like email and communicate. Even if you don't get to see each other a lot, you probably stay communicated in that regards. Yeah, no, we do. We do have, we stay in touch a lot. And we have our own sort of Facebook page uh, where we talk a lot as well, especially before the convention and we uh, get together. And Is, is, it, a, is it a secret Facebook page? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, I'm just now learning about these secret Facebook pages. Yeah, where only the people invited can, can see this stuff. It sounds cool. <laughs> I want to be a part of a secret club. <laughs> Teresa, let's start our own little secret Facebook page. <laughs> if you come to ToyCon UK, you probably what just you and me, Gary? <laughs> Who will be in it? Just, just you and me, <laughs> and we can we can do what we do over I am, and just do it in our own little secret group. <laughs> You just want to feel like we're special. I mean, I just want to feel part of a club. When I was a kid, I always wanted to be part of a club. We have, the, <laughs> we have the stomping ground, Gary. That's our club. <laughs> you put, you can't be honest in the stomping. You can, but I want to be a part of a group where there's like a, a group of five people that I really, really, really trust that I can show. Um, like, I, like this week, I, you know, I was doing some colorways for. Um, a, an upcoming toy and I was showing you all those colorways but now like if I was had a secret group on Facebook I could post it on that group and get the input of a smaller group rather than letting what the Sonic Ground has you know several a couple hundred members all know that this this toy's coming out I want something private and just my own like my own little club we get jackets and patches and <laughs> secret handshakes Gary Ham Club uh I mean, I'm down to join. That's all you, though. You guys to create okay. that. Figure out, figure out your top five. The top five. I'm gonna create a anti Gary Ham club. There you go, that's... and we'll just talk trash about you all day. I, I think that club exists already, though. You should sign up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wouldn't, but I could. <laughs> so, so Emily, I don't understand something. So, you got your BA in computer animation, but you never. You never actually yep. used it. 
Um, nope. <laughs> so, do you see, like, foresee, like, have do you have any ambition to to use that skill set and, and maybe do like um, 3D sculpting or using ZBrush or something like that? Yeah, I uh, I'm thinking about it. Um, it's just getting the time to sit down and actually kind of relearn everything. Obviously, ZBrush is very different from the 3D packages I worked in. I worked in Maya, okay, yeah, uh, mainly. Um, but ZBrush was really new back then. Mm-hmm. Back then, it sounds ages ago, but it is. <laughs> um, so um, I I have touched it. I have got it. Um, but I have got no patience with it because <laughs> I would like to go in and just know things, just which it. I don't. Yeah, that's frustrating. Yeah. And that is never going to happen with ZBrush. It's such a complicated software package. But I have got free access to tutorials and things. Okay. Because uh, my other half, he works at the Arts University here, so I kind of, it, it's it's a blessing in that sense. Um, so I will learn it one day (laughs) it's just finding the time (laughs) hopefully when my little one or my oldest one I should say she goes to school in September so hopefully then I'll have a little bit more time on my hands and can maybe dive into it yeah I mean well your little ones you know they're little sponges of information she could probably when she turns six or seven she'll probably be able to teach you how to use ZBrush oh probably yeah (laughs) they're they're real good at technology these these wee ones that's it yeah she's teaching me how to do do already (laughs) Gary, are you going to teach your kids ZBrush as they grow up? Um, I don't know ZBrush, but I'm going to make them learn it first, and then they can teach me. <laughs> but they can work for you, can't they? they can I was about to say. That would be awesome. You can hire them. They I, can yeah. do your ZBrush work. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about hiring them, but they can earn their allowance. like Not from pulling weeds and doing yard work, but from like helping me with the woodwork or uh, primering stuff or sanding stuff, prepping stuff for custom and paint. That's where they can help me out. Well, I was curious, Emily. So, you know, you you saying you um, were doing tattoo work originally, and I know um, every now and again you'll share um, different photos of sketches you're doing in your sketchbook. And I was just curious if is if sketching something you've been doing for a while, even before you started to do customization, and did you like did that ever inspire you for any of the t- tattoos you designed, or? Um, did you have this pile of sketchbooks that you were able to kind of pull back to to start customizing? Uh, no, I, uh, I've i been oh, sketching ever since I could hold a pen, I think. <laughs> and um, I always have a sketchbook where I scribble down wherever I, what comes to mind. And I constantly um, used it in my work, in my sculpting work all the time. So you've been doing it for a while. So like all the different, because it seems like you have such, I don't know where you pull it from, like, but these whimsical characters and creatures you come up with are just, they're so good and they're, but they're all <laughs> have a similar feel and aesthetic and it just had, so have you been sketching those particular characters for years then? No, I, uh, <laughs> I tend to just sketch new things all the time. I uh, rarely go back and do the sort of same thing all over again, which I did do a lot when I was a tattooist. So I guess that's given me the training. Uh, but when it comes to creatures, I tend to do this new things popping up all the time in my head. 
<laughs> yeah, but no, that's awesome because there's a lot. I, f- I feel like there's a, like a lot in your brain, and it's exciting to see when you put that down <laughs> on paper because it's just insane what you're able to come up with. And I'm jealous because like I don't have that ability. Like I like art and I like collecting, and I feel like I can be like, yeah, that's a really cool idea. But me coming up with those myself, I just don't feel like I have that capability. At least not something that I've today. I mean, maybe I could work on it, but um. I, it always excites me to see what you've come up with. And it seems like sometimes your sketches inspire enough for that you, that you want to create a custom version of that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, it's often I do want to go and do, you know, make a, a custom or, well, something more intricate than just a drawing out of it. It's just, yet yeah, again, time, because I got so much in my head that if I don't sketch them all out, I just, it just gets kind of overloaded that makes sense yeah. <laughs> yeah I um I I just get like depressed almost I and I um uh I find it very hard to just get on with things if I got too much in my head and I haven't a chance to sit there and draw for a bit just to you know get it out of my head and make room for the next one I guess <laughs> yeah but no I think it's awesome do you think you'd ever I know you've I you'll share your sketches but I'd don't think you tend to sell those original sketches right do you think you would ever do that at some point it reminds me a lot you remind me somewhat of Chris Reiniak and how he dabbles in both the 2d sketching and then also his 3d work and he Mm -hmm. kind of tends to do both but also sell both I'm just curious if you feel like you see yourself heading that way or sketches more just for you and just to kind of inspire and you really want to focus just on selling your 3d work um I would like to sell my art as well but I think <laughs> I haven't got the confidence to do it if that makes sense I uh I don't know I'm so I'm such a perfectionist that when it comes to sketches I really don't like showing them unless I really worked hard on them and <laughs> I don't know how to answer that you're, you're, you're so hard on uh, yourself I think you're yeah. I mean she is I, but I, thinking... I also understand that Teresa so it's like I, I do a lot of sketching too, and you know sometimes I like stuff if I actually spend time on it, but a lot of times it's just unloading or just chicken scratches. It's not necessarily something that I really like and I, I want to share with people or something I want to sell. So sometimes I feel like I, I, I understand that you don't have the confidence to want to maybe turn around and sell because you feel like you really need to invest the time and the thought and the energy into selling those kind of sketches. And, and a lot of the times some of the stuff that we just doodle out, it's, it's not impressive to us. It's and it's something yeah. sometimes it's something that we're not generally wanting to show to the public or willing to sell. No, that's it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, I have I got it. prints that I do sell, um, prints of my uh, pencil drawings, um, but I sell them from my Etsy store and not from my my normal store where I normally sell the toys. But I haven't updated that for a long time either. They were probably some of the first things I released there and I haven't really done anything new. Uh, I think it's because I focus mainly on doing customs and that kind of takes up all my time. You know what's strange? Yeah. Are you familiar with Holly Stanway, the creator of Hey Cavies? Mm, yeah. So you're kind of like her opposite. It's kind of strange that you seem to get into toys like at the same time she was getting out. So you, you were a tattooist. You weren't. Fu- no, she you, is. <laughs> and now she is. That's what I'm saying. It's weird that you were a tattooist. You weren't fulfilled and later you got into this customization and designer toy scene and then she was in the toy scene doing had a ver- really successful line called KV yeah. and then she kind of just abandoned that altogether and now she's a tattooist yeah. like you guys are like 
each other's opposites, it seems. It's really yeah. funny because she was one of the main sort of reasons why I got into designer toys as well. Yeah. She was like such a big inspiration to me. And the same year I decided to go to ToyCon, <laughs> she wasn't there. <laughs> She'd gone, you know, oh, there. <laughs> so yeah, she was there in person, but she didn't exhibit or anything. <laughs> and I was too scared to go actually go and talk with her, so oh, I never got gosh. to talk with her, unfortunately. <laughs> so you've never actually met her then, huh? Nope. <laughs> no, but seriously, your your work is so incredible. Like, there's there's no need for <laughs> for the lack of confidence that you're telling us that you that you have. Like, I mean, it seems absolutely ridiculous to me. Like, the, so let's talk about the um the most recent customs you did. You so you received some uh, coarse omens in seven inch sizes and three point five inch sizes, and they're mm-hmm. they're actually set to release. Um, you're going to be selling them this coming Friday. And those pieces, yeah. you have them entitled Dusk, Dawn, and Twilight. And Emily, those pieces are immaculate. <laughs> they are I, – I absolutely love them. They're gorgeous, very well sculpted. <laughs> and I think – I believe I read that you – for you as well, these are the – to date, I think you claim them the best pieces to date that you've done. Yeah, personally, I think so. I'm just really, really happy with them and – Everything has gone really well with them as well. Because normally I always got something going wrong when I customize. It's almost like a bad omen, funny enough. Um, and I don't know. These have just, it's just been amazing to work on them. But I think it's because I love omens so much myself. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to give them, you know, the perfect job they deserve, I guess. <laughs> if that makes sense. No, it does. Um, I mean, when you respect someone yeah. as highly as they, I know that you, you know, think really highly, of course. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah. you know, to take that on as a custom, it's like it's like someone singing a cover to one of their favorite songs. Like, you you really need to do it justice. And, I mean, and you did. Yeah. You knocked these out of the park. And uh, they're absolutely <laughs> they're absolutely stunning. So I'm sure they're going to be out of my price range for sure. But anyone who <laughs> anyone who's going to be able to get these and take them off your hands this Friday, um, I'm jealous of. <laughs> oh yeah Thank i don't you. think people are gonna jump right on them they're they're so good so yeah i'm always I really mean, nervous I, for a new release so uh we'll see how it goes but fingers crossed yeah <laughs> now when you do something that you believe is your best work today like do you get attached to it do you are, is this gonna make you sad when these leave the home yeah, very sad. <laughs> They're sitting in a glass cabinet now, and they look really nice in there, and I like to look at them. <laughs> Take lots of photos. And I don't normally... Yeah, I, I have, I have. I don't normally get like that with my work. I, I you know, they kind of, I grow tired of them because, I don't know, I just feel like as an artist, you constantly kind of, uh, I don't know, progress, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And... You just look at your old work and you you feel that it's dated and you can do better now, <laughs> if that makes sense. No, it totally does. So, yeah. I completely can relate. But with these, yeah. But with these, I'm like, I'm totally in love with them. So it's going to be hard to see them go. But at the same time, it is my kind of profession. So I need the money to to eat and whatnot. So, <laughs> so you don't keep one for yourself then? No. No. It's really funny because my other half said today, uh, about the Tweedle Hoots I did. Oh, I um, love your Tweedle Hoots. Yeah, he said, did you keep any for yourself? And I didn't, which is 
I haven't even thought about, but now I'm really sad that I didn't. <laughs> I didn't keep any for myself. <laughs> you should always keep at least one for yourself. Because, yeah, like, at the yeah. time, it seems ridiculous to keep one for yourself, right? But then, like, five or ten years, especially when your daughters get older, you're going to want to... Yeah. They're probably going to look back at your portfolio and go, oh, mom, why, I want that. And you're like, oh, well... I got it in storage. You can have it to you. So yeah, I usually keep, yeah. I try to keep two of everything unless it's a, you know, a custom, like a micro run or something. And then, then I'll keep at least okay. one. But yeah, I was, I would suggest to start keeping mm-hmm. at least one piece. Yeah. Well, especially if you're doing like multiples, right? It's really hard when you do one-off customs because they're one-offs yeah. and, you know, so I can see that being tricky, but yeah, especially if you do something that is going to be a multi run release. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, keep keep yourself one. Keep it in your collections. You can kind of I will from now on. <laughs> Here's what you do. I think this is what kind of Chris Reiniak has. His mother pretty much has a Chris Reiniak museum. So Chris might not hold on to every piece himself, but he gives it one piece to his mom. And you know how many creations he that guy's made. So um, maybe, oh, maybe yeah. do that. Just ship one piece off to your parents every, you know, every time yeah. you finish one. It is maybe funny though. <laughs> I know Chris, um, so he's been doing those sketches, his his morning scribbles for a while now, years at this point. And I think recently, I don't know if it was on one of our his recent Twitch streams, but we uh, he did this kind of q and A Q&A session, and one of them was about, hey, have you ever like is it ever sad for you to let go of your morning scribbles? And he's like, I feel like I would either want them all or want none of them, but he'd be like, it'd be really cool to have every single one and be able to just kind of like hang them all up and like Mm. look at them all from start to finish. And I feel like that's the same regard from just a custom perspective. It'd be really cool. I feel like as an artist to be able to take your very first custom to your current and like lay them all out and just kind of look at your journey and progression kind of in one fell swoop that I it would be cool to be able to do that it's obviously really difficult when you're doing one-off custom and such but something like that because I just feel like that could be a really fun gallery like somehow finding a way to pull all your work back together for a little bit just to kind of look at it as a whole that's hard to do though yeah I kind of oh I know my website I kind of collect them all which I haven't updated for ages actually I should probably do that (laughs) Do you prefer doing the releases for yourself, like these omens, the Dust Dawn and Twilights? Do you enjoy doing those sort of pieces, or do you like um, doing stuff for shows and events? Which which do you prefer, working for yourself or kind of making pieces for other custom shows? Um, I prefer to work for myself. Uh, it's less of a, a stress, especially now when with, with the kids and everything. Yeah, working um, I haven't really taken on many shows this year at all. I... Uh, I've declined quite a few because I just feel like I can't stick to a deadline at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I like to do a little bit of both, but but it's nice to do my own things. I, I prefer that. <laughs> it's nice to be, to be able to work at your own pace. Yeah, it's it's nice. Yeah. Sometimes it's, there's some, sometimes a show pops up that you just, you just don't want to turn down. But eventually, mm-hmm. especially when you're a new mom, like you just, you, you need to learn how to say no. Uh, and just that's it. take care of yourself otherwise you'll just completely yeah. burn out yeah that's it and you know I tend to do that once a year just to get ready for toy con anyway and after that I'm so burnt out for a couple of months that I don't tend to make any customs for a few months mm-hmm. just to sort of rest <laughs> my head because you work so hard 
to get everything ready. Yeah. And yeah, it's really hard, especially now there's two days. I and last year I was six months pregnant as well. So and I was on my own at the stall and I I seriously thought I was gonna die at one point. You're not so you're six <laughs> oh, months pregnant no. and you're working in your own stall? Uh yeah. Because I know I couldn't even the, leave it. Oh, the pregnant woman you probably had to go to the bathroom like every hour, right? Well that's it. I was next to Aaron luckily, so he, he looked after my stall oh, that's and I good. you know could run off but <laughs> it was horrible you know it was worse to sit still than to actually move because i i don't know things just work so weird in your body when you're pregnant like you know my feet were swelling up and oh i felt terrible Aaron asked me at one point if i was okay he said you look really depressed i was like oh thank Aww. you <laughs> i don't think many but, people yeah. realize how many artists do these events by themselves and it's i think a lot of people who aren't familiar with the, the toy scene they think that artists pay someone else to run their booze and stuff but no the more majority of us are running our own booze and a lot of us like, like you just said yourself and we know sad salesman was has lasted five points and designer con he was running his by himself and yeah it's like yeah. finding that time to just get away to get a, a bite to eat or even a bathroom break is it it's really difficult yeah. for artists at these events it's a pain especially like the first few hours when people just want to get the stuff they want to get quite simply I every time I looked up, there was a new person there, and I hadn't even finished packing up the first yeah. person's, you know, uh, customs or whatever. It's so hard when you're on your own. I was so stressed. I haven't even by the time the convention opened, I hadn't even marked the prices out on my stuff yet. <laughs> <laughs> People just kept in, how much is this? How much is this? And they just kept going. So yeah, that was stressful. I get a bit stressed just talking about it. <laughs> that sounds like your first convention, right? So that was like your newbie experience. No, that no? was my second. <laughs> <laughs> well, you didn't learn anything from the first one. Well, the first one was pretty quiet because I was still quite new in the scene, so I don't think. Ah. Oh, and I didn't have the chance to put up any sort of um, uh, promotions for what I actually had at the store. So it was, it was, you know, pretty quiet. Uh huh. But. Yeah, the year after, I guess, you know, my name had gotten a little bit bigger and people really wanted my stuff, so I barely had anything left at the end of Saturday. That's great. It was like, yeah. yeah. It Crazy, but, then but good. Sunday, yeah, no, it was good, I, you know, um, definitely. But then on Sunday, I barely had anything left in my store. It looked very, very boring. <laughs> I've, I've heard that from a lot of people that, that do, now that it's a two-day event, we're, talk, we're talking about ToyCon UK, that... Yeah, so it sounds like a lot of things do really, really well on the first day, and then the second day, it's it's the same thing at you know uh, designer con and stuff. When someone's really successful the first day, yeah, they don't have a whole lot of stock the second day, especially if they're selling mainly custom work or micro runs or something like that. So, I mean, it happens, but I mean, ToyCon UK is coming up. Are you going this year? Uh, not as an exhibitor, no. Uh, there was just no way I was going to get enough stuff done. So uh, I'm going to go up on the Sunday just to sort of have a little bit of a networking and, you know, meet some friends and all that. Okay. So, yeah, just going up uh, as a, I don't know, <laughs> a spectator this well, time. It's going to be nice to see it from that side of things as well, though. Yeah. Well, yeah, that'll be fun for you to not have to stress like last year and kind of be behind a crazy stall and be able to have fun yeah. and just relax and walk around. But from from what I've heard, it sounds like that there's quite a few, Gary, that um, of artists that typically go that aren't going to go exhibit this year. 
Yeah, I've kind of heard that too. I mean, I don't think it's going to have much effect on the event as a whole. But yeah, I think I've heard several probably very popular names or what I consider very established and popular names aren't actually going to be exhibiting at ToyCon this year. And you know, I've heard – I don't know if it's true, but I, you know, so Emily, you just confirmed that you're one that's not going to be exhibiting. And I know that Gary Rosansky of uh, the Toy Chronicle, he's always been a big supporter of the event. He's – He's got something else going on. I think it's some sort of wrestling mm-hmm. event that fell on the same weekend. He'll he won't be there. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've heard JPK might not be there. Um, Squeak and House of Boz, they're a married couple. I heard. I don't know if it's true, but they might not be there this year. I mean, so yeah, it's no, it's, it's true. It's true. <laughs> There's quite a few big names that aren't going. So I mean, so I hope that doesn't affect anything, and I don't think it will. No, I don't think so either. I yeah. Well, we'll see what happens, but I doubt it. I will be back next year. It's just the fact that, you know, it's uh, uh, the baby is still too dependent on me. So I, I don't get the time to, to do the work I need to get done. And yeah, yeah. B, I can't really leave her for a whole weekend. So, yeah, yeah. But next year she'll be old enough. <laughs> Let's talk about how your life changed when you became a mother. So how old your, your oldest daughter is about, if she's going to school next year, must be about four, five? Yeah, she turns four in July. Okay. And then, then you, yeah. you got the events. Oh, she's probably only a couple months old. Yeah, she's six months old, actually. Six months. Was it six months <laughs> yeah. that we talked last? I swear to God. <laughs> yeah. It's, in my mind, it was only like two months ago that we were we were talking about having you on. You're like, no, we, we got to do it before my second one comes. I'm like, okay. And yeah. then your second one came, and here we are six months later. Man, yep. time is flying by. Way too fast. Oh, way too fast. So I'm a parent too. My kids are five and three. They're both boys. And, you know, the first year was pretty easy. The kid wasn't walking. He was sleeping a lot. I was still able to remain productive. But now that I have the two kids, production, uh, productivity has plummeted. And, and that's just because I wanted to be a present parent and we're constantly doing stuff on the weekend and all that sort of stuff. But I also noticed that I'm a lot more probably irritable because I'm not as productive. I'm not as getting as much done oh, yeah. as I really want to. <laughs> My wife is really good about helping me and giving me the free time that I need, but I still can't get, you know, everything that I want done. Just so many little side projects and stuff that I, you know, just have been neglecting. But also another thing that I've noticed when I've had the two kids is you're kind of on their schedule, right? So it's like before, you know, before children, I could, when it, I felt creative, I could do it during the daytime, nighttime, burden of midnight oil, whatever. But now it's kind of, you're, you have to work when they give you the free time. And, and that's not always when you're feeling the most creative and the most mo- motivated. So as a parent and a, as a creative, it's, sometimes it's a struggle. But, I mean, it's totally worth it. But um, So like I said, my wife has always been helpful with me. It's like, has your husband been really good about giving you the free time and understanding that, you know, you're an amazing mother, but also you need to be creative and productive as well? Yeah, yeah. My, uh, my husband is definitely... Uh... A, a big factor in this he uh, he's amazing he uh he gives me one day a week i know it doesn't sound much but it is a lot to me where i can literally just focus on whatever i need to focus on he's brilliant that way um obviously i'm still breastfeeding so i have to still you know take a break and go and feed baby um but um other than that you know he gives me all the time i need really and sundays is generally when i have my sort of alone time or whatever you want to call it and uh, I think I build myself up so much to that one day that when that day comes I'm like you know my mind just explodes and I can literally work for hours without stopping and uh, 
I tend to work to really late in the night as well, just to get as much done as possible. Wow, so you... I kind of knock myself out that day, but I need it as well. It's just become really, really important. Yeah, and I bet you're totally counting down to every Sunday. But it, it is it's awesome that you have that because it, as being in a relationship with kids, I mean, it's so important to be able to get your free time and just decompress and relax or be productive, whatever you need. So it definitely sounds like your husband's really helpful in that area. Yeah, and I do get really cranky if I don't get that time. So it might be, maybe he's understanding or he's just scared. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could be a real, no, I could be really a real good. jerk sometimes. <laughs> it's... Oh, me too. When it comes to not not being able to do what I want to do for a while, then definitely becomes very cranky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you're either really cranky or you're really, really happy because I know sometimes you get the full day to do something and, and sometimes it just doesn't work out. Sometimes you just can't finish what you want to and uh, when that doesn't happen, you know it's like, oh, crap, tomorrow's birthday parties or this and that or I got to go back to work. So it, you can <laughs> either be happy or kind of depressed about it. Yeah, I get that too. <laughs> Yeah, I think for me, the one re- I can still go in my office and you know work all night on Photoshop or coloring or painting or whatever. But the one aspect of my productivity that's really changed is I'm not doing as much woodwork as I used to, and that was like, usually like my main medium. But that's just because it's it's not a safe zone for the kids, and it's you can't be running the saws you know after yeah. 10 p.m. in the neighborhood either. Yeah, yeah. No, you do have to things aside obviously i i can't work the too late because i got my compressor running it's quite noisy and <laughs> i use a hair dryer to dry my paint because heaven forbid i actually sat and waited for it to dry i can't do that it takes way too long and you know it's a lot of noisy things <laughs> i know it's a, you gotta keep those kids sleeping it's <laughs> it's important for our sanity <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, but you know, so you pointed out that you're a, a breastfeeding mother, um, you know, of your six month old and, uh, what's really, I'm, that's really commendable because I remember my wife went through the breastfeeding for the first year with both kids and she was so sleep deprived because I don't think most people know that when you're breastfeeding, you really need to keep at it every three to four hours. So my wife never had a full night's sleep for the first year because every three to four hours she was waking up in the middle of the night, would go and pump for 45 minutes, <laughs> then go back to bed. And, and so if you're doing that, I mean, you have to be so sleep deprived. And so the fact that you're able to still manage and be productive is insane. But also people also don't know that there's this thing called pregnancy brain that you – you're you're just forgetful at least my wife was uh, even the for about a year afterwards the the thing she was forgetting was crazy so the fact that your brain is still wanting to be productive and creative is is awesome and amazing yeah i uh, i think it's got something to do with hormones i think it's uh, just a way sort of mother reacts to what well, this has to be done quite simply to to keep your baby alive <laughs> and i think you just adjust to that and the funny thing is that I'm more productive and uh, creatively active in my head more now than I ever have been. And it was the same after I had my my uh, my first one. I just found myself being extremely creative and I could get up at four in the morning and start working, even though she wasn't awake. She didn't wake me up, I just woke up. <laughs> and I have got that this time as well. The other day I, I didn't go to bed until 12, which sounds really... Well, it doesn't sound that bad to most people, I'm sure, but to me, it's quite late. 
Um, but then I woke up at three o'clock again and I could have continued. So I don't know. It, I don't know. Something happens when, with your body when you got a baby and you just run on empty all the time. But for some yeah. reason, you, you manage to. <laughs> You just get on with life. <laughs> Those baby days are rough. I mean, I could hardly function on the sleep deprivation that we had. And the women have it 10 times worse than the guys, too. Oh, so I don't... I, I'm not complaining at all. Um, but, yeah, I mean, things certainly change after kids for sure. I, I wouldn't say my motivation or my desire has changed at all. But I would definitely say, like, maybe my energy level has changed a little bit. Like, pre-kids, I, would, I was excited to do group shows and solo shows and – um, exhibit at conventions and stuff like that. But I think today I'm a little more reserved to take on that bulk of work. Uh, mm. But yeah, I'm still excited to do, you know, do stuff. Yeah, but it's the same here. It's it's changed a lot, definitely. Um, I It might seem like I'm doing a lot, but I could probably do a lot more if I didn't have to. <laughs> yeah. Teresa, do you feel left out of this conversation? <clears throat> I mean, I can't exactly contribute to the whole baby talk. I know. She, <laughs> Emily, she's probably like, oh, my dog Bailey, he wants to play ball right now. It's such a time suck. Oh, hi. <laughs> she's actually, and it's she, by the way, Gary, not a he. But she's being very good. She's actually sitting on my lap right now while I'm talking. Oh. Or well, sitting and listening. And she's I know it's a good. she, but the name throws me off every time. <laughs> Why do people think that Bailey means he? Bailey is gender neutral. It is, but it's still masculine when you first hear it. It's like when we were thinking about uh, if we ever had a daughter, like what we would name her. And we liked the names that sounded like boy names for, for girls, so like Logan. Um, but I think most people would hear the name no- Logan and instantly think it's a guy until, you know, obviously she's, she, you know, she's a girl. I got you. Well, Gary, you can start using one of my sweeter names to, to talk to my dog like I do. You have sweeter names. Call her. Well, you have nicknames. I'm sure you have nicknames. Like I call her Boo Bear and Schnookums and Sweet Pea and all sorts of stuff. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So think of those, and then maybe it'll remind you that she's a girl. Okay. What kind of nicknames do you have for your kids, Emily? Oh God, a lot of weird things. I call my oldest one Baba a lot, but she won't have that anymore. She says, I'm not a baby. She says, no, you're not. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they want to grow up so quickly. Oh, yeah. Little do they know. <laughs> <laughs> now, when your kids are older, I know you're, you've attended ToyCon UK. Do you want to attend other conventions? I, you're close uh, to Asia, Asia out there. Do you want to maybe attend some Asia conventions or maybe come over here to the States and go to a Five Points or a Designer Con? Yeah. Uh, I really want to do five points, and I'm I'm going to do my best to try to come over next year. Um, we'll see how it goes. But the kids should be old enough then for me to actually go out for maybe a long weekend or something like that, or Thursday to Sunday, or maybe a week if I'm lucky. <laughs> mm-hmm. That'd be awesome. So, um, yeah, it would be. I, I've been craving to go for a long time, and five points kind of seems like the perfect place to go. Um, I've always wanted to visit New York as well, so it'd be kind of, yeah, good to do both. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would say if you're going to bring your two dollars to yeah. um, New York, I don't know. I we brought our kids to, our kids to New York a couple times, and it's hard with kids in New York. It is. It's a hustle and bustle. <laughs> yeah, because with kids, you want to sightsee and you want to constantly move, and you're using uh, cabs. Mm. You don't have the car seats, and then you're using. Um, like, if, if the subway system is no place oh, yeah. for kids, for sure. 
Um, but it was also even like walking around Times Square and stuff like that. You know, the kids had to go like go to potty and stuff like that, and didn't, no. or you needed to change a diaper. There was really no place to like do that. Like, no bathroom seemed to have like uh, changing tables and all that sort of stuff. So it was really difficult. I would say maybe if you're th- bringing the kids, maybe something like Designer Con might be, might be a little better because you got Disneyland and other things to do with the kids afterwards. Yeah, we got family over there as well. So. Well, there you go. Yeah, because yeah, it's it's definitely I think. Designer Con is just maybe a little more family orientated, but New York and Five Points is a blast yeah. if you go out there alone, you know, with adult time. Yeah. 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 If but I go Five way, Points, I'll go on my own, I think. <laughs> either way, it's super exciting. Cause I know as a US collector, and I'm sure others feel this way too, it'd be it'd be super fun to meet you and get to have a chance to buy your pieces in person. Cause that's the other thing too, I think with a lot of customized pieces. Um, you know, I always I always find it so fun to finally be able to see them in person versus just photos online, because sometimes as good of a photo as you can take, it still doesn't truly capture it the same as if you're looking at it in person. I think sometimes that can not hurt it, but like, it's so exciting when you have a chance to see it in person. Cause you're just like, Oh my gosh, it's like, it's even better here in front of my eyes. So I think it'd be super exciting to be able to see a table full of your stuff in person and yeah. be able to take it out in. Yeah, it's it's different to see it in person, and it's so hard to capture them on on um photo on photography as well. It's it's impossible, I think sometimes. Yeah, I had really I mean, bad problems with the the, the cost uh, custom I just did to photograph that, and I still don't think it's sort of it's much better in person. Let's just put it that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I feel like that's the case with so many customs because, um, like Heather Hyatt had some stuff that Martian Toys had out uh, last Designer Con, I think, and I remember seeing it. And I was like, "This stuff just looks so much better than I even thought it was." Like I already thought it was great, but mm-hmm. just from seeing the photos to seeing it in person, it was even better. So I feel like your work would be the same way. Like it's fantastic online, but I feel like in person, I would just be even more in awe of the stuff that you make so um yeah, but yes <laughs> but if you do come out Teresa and i we offer a free pee break service to uh convention <laughs> exhibitors yes so. we do we can help yeah, you, you uh, emily you haven't heard but uh last designer con when we were walking around, um, not only were we talking about like giving people pee breaks, but I'm like, I feel like people also need like food. And I'm like, maybe I need to like have a food cart and I'll like, you know, walk around up to different booths <laughs> and let people pick stuff out like a sandwich or some chips or some candy. But I'm like, man, like there were a few times where I'm like, do you need something? Like, cause <laughs> you need to go grab some food for you. Like I'm happy to. So yeah, anyway, where maybe I'll, I'll expand the services next year, maybe to more than just you, right? Can we do that? I would love to see you be that person. Like you, when you go to like an event, like a stadium uh, or a sporting event, you got the person with the 20 foot pole and there's like popcorn and cotton, <laughs> cotton candy, candy hanging. You just walking up and down the aisles at five points. Concessions here. Yeah. Popcorn here. <laughs> I mean, I just, I just know how hard it must be to be on your feet having to present your stuff, you know, all day long, may not have a chance to take a break, breathe, eat, pee, or even just have a chance to walk around and explore for a little bit and just get out of that zone of having to be like ready to, you know, be available and excited to meet everyone who comes up. So 
Yeah, that, um, that really is the hardest part about exhibiting. It's, I mean, finding a booth mate or something, like a next door neighbor to, to watch your booth while you just run to the bathroom real quick, that's no problem. But finding like the hour that maybe you want to just decompress during a lunch break and fill the belly or even just be able to get a, to walk around for 30 minutes or an hour. Like, um, Emily, when you were at ToyCon, you're by yourself. Did you even get to walk the floor at all? I did do a quick loop. I just asked Aaron to look after my store for a bit, and I literally ran around the whole place just picking Aww. up things I wanted really quick. <laughs> That's it. But I only bought three things last year, so the year before that, I was absolutely nuts. I bought so much stuff, I probably spent half of what I actually <laughs> earned on the convention. <laughs> it's really bad. Uh, yeah, but I did get a chance to run around, and I did get offers, you know, of people looking after my stall as well, but I don't know. I don't, yeah, again, I don't want to bother people. I just, I don't know. I'm not very good at that. <laughs> I, I get that. I get that. I, I'm, I'm the same way. I don't like to ask for help and I always feel like I'm inconveniencing others. So yeah, I, I totally get that. Yeah, that's it. Well, Teresa, help me with the sponsors. Go. All right. Let's take a break and mention some of our awesome sponsors. If you're looking for some designer toys to purchase, we've got some great stores for you. Check out 3dretro.com and strangecattoys.com. Uh, if you go to Strange Cat Toys, you'll receive 10% off if you use promo code DOPE at checkout. Um, and if you're looking for some awesome designer toy news, we've got two awesome blogs to check out, spankystokes.com and thetoychronicle.com. And uh, Toy Chronicle also has a sweet app. So search Toy Chronicle on the Apple Store or Google Play uh, and give that a download. Okay, Emily. So earlier you were talking about your Tweedlehoots. Um, anyone who's not familiar, mm -hmm. that's a collaboration that you did with James Young. He's a sculptor for Ardman Studios. Um, and I love that piece. And from what I remember about it, there were several colorways, right? And this was like a mic, but it was all hand casted and hand done it wasn't like a big production piece it was maybe between five to ten pieces of each color or something like that yeah we did six pieces of um in two colorways so six each okay and that was it yeah is that and was that your largest production run to date yep <laughs> now do you want do you... any big ones yet <laughs> come on companies <laughs> Right? Come on! She's, saying, she's hey. so good. She needs a production piece. I know. Well, <laughs> they, but there was also so uh, along with those Tweedle Hoots. I know that you also had the baby Colossuses. Coloss mm -hmm. Colossuses. That's a weird word. I feel like I'm saying. But <laughs> <No. What> it's <laughs> It's Colossuses, right? It's Colossies. Colossi. I would say Colossuses as well, even if it yeah. gets a bit too many S's in there. <laughs> But yeah, so I know you had that run that um, you had uh, Martian Toys went and helped create a custom show. But um, yeah. I mean, there was a decent amount of those made as yeah, well. Yeah, that How would did... obviously be, be a bigger run. But yeah, yeah, that was a custom show. So I can't even remember how many. I think there was about 60 of them. Yeah. So was a lot. did you do the original sculpt and then Aaron helped do the production? production of creating all the casts of them yeah yeah that's it. okay okay mm -hmm. cool did how did you um like that experience of being able to kind of have one of your pieces essentially become a customized piece of own? <laughs> yeah that was it was great fun actually just to see how uh, how other people kind of what what sort of perception they've got of or, and what they can do with your 
with your toy that was really interesting and I loved having you know new things coming through the post every day that was amazing and um, very sort of inspirational as well I still got a few of them sitting here that we didn't manage to sell and Aaron didn't want to take them with him because they were really um really fragile so I think they're still waiting for somebody to to actually buy them oh what a <laughs> wussy guess. Aaron is they're fragile <laughs> Come on. No, they are super <laughs> fragile. They really are. <laughs> he had a lot to bring back with him. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, I'm sure he has no, a lot. No, when he travels, but, yeah, he brings a lot back. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think you'll make any more runs, or do you feel like that was just a one-time thing, and what exists of the, the baby colossuses that are all that will be? Yeah, I think that's it. I, I'm kind of over that stage now. I want to do new things now. <laughs> I know I'm kind of boring that way. I, I I get tired of things pretty quick and I don't like like to kind of do too many of them if that makes sense. No, I get that. You're ready yeah. to you've you've done it, you've executed it, you're good and you're ready to move on to the next thing. So it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have interest in doing production pieces or designs for platforms like um you know, the dunny and and stuff like that or no? Do you just want um, to kind of do your I own thing? Been- no, I, I definitely do want to do productions. That would be lovely. Uh, I have been approached by with a couple of things that might happen, hopefully. We'll see. Um, but <laughs> it's a, it's all a long process because one of them I've decided to hand sculpt. Okay. So uh, that's going to take a while because since I don't have much time now. so But I'm definitely going to do it and it's going to be fun. Um and then there's the second one I don't really know what's happening with, to be honest. And, yeah, well, that's it. And I have not been approached by Kid Robot or anything, so... Damn we'll, it, we'll Kid Robot! <laughs> Come on! Yeah. I mean, I feel like I would love to see both from you. Like, both your interpretation of a platform, since that's kind of what you've been doing already, is customizations mm-hmm. on certain platforms. But I also think... You know, you've done a few things as well of your own sculpts. And, you know, again, like as you roll through your feed, there are so many great ideas in your brain. And every time I see a sketch, I'm like, oh, I want that to be real. Like, I want that to be a toy. <laughs> so I'm like, ah, I just want to see those come to life as well. And by the way, I don't know how, like, I understand that some sketches are true sketches and that they're scribbles. Your sketches aren't scribbles. No. I want to buy them. <laughs> they're, so. no. they're, they're gorgeous. <laughs> so just saying but yeah like so i'm just curious like you back in uh beginning of february like you had this i don't even know what you'd call it but this i don't know it's your um it's got like the four years with the little antlers it's like a deer almost with a flower tail oh yeah yeah <laughs> oh but like i want that in toy form like that <laughs> so bad i just want it <laughs> well, here's what we need to do, Teresa. I think it's the Designer Toy Awards to the the um, Breakthrough Artist of the Year. I think it might still be the case, but usually whoever wins that category is given a dunning design. Like, I don't know if it's the next year exactly, but eventually they do get yeah. a dunning design. And I think that's held true for all the artists except for maybe one. I think that was before Kid Robot started doing that sort of thing. So maybe what we need to do is we just need to rig this year's Designer Toy Awards. <laughs> Actually, that came off wrong. I don't. I think you can do it on your own. I don't even think you need to rate. I think last year I thought you you were a strong contender for that. And but you know then the the categories listed with people that have been, you know, 
<laughs> established for a long time. So I mean, it's a, it's a tough category to win for sure, but I think you could definitely do it. And I would love to see that happen. And I, but most of all, I'd love to see you get a Dunny design. I know you've done a lot of great Dunny customs. So um, any production design that you did would be amazing. But should that not happen, I, we weren't originally going to release the sneak peeks, but I guess this is a leak a little bit. Um, so early in the year, I entered a contest with Martian Toys. It was called Design a Blank Contest, and my design won. It was Jasper, uh, kind of like a ghostly <laughs> figure. Um, so now it's overseas. It's being produced, and we're still definitely doing blanks with it. It's going to be a custom platform, hopefully. And uh, But we, what we've decided to do is we're going to be um, inviting a bunch of artists to do, um, you know, artist series with it or designer series with it. And so, you know, sometimes we'll do an individual release or store exclusives or maybe, you know, soon we'll be doing like a blind box series with it. But we, I would love to invite you to take part in that. Oh, that'd be amazing. I'm always happy. <laughs> well, awesome. I mean, I know Aaron's a huge supporter of you. Maybe he's already asked you. I don't know. But um, it'd be awesome to have you involved. And we're already got the ball rolling on a bunch of designs. So um, be fun. Let's make it happen. Cool. Do it. <laughs> do it. Do it, do it. I'll send you some, if not, I'll, I'll send you some blanks and you can work your magic. Well, here's the thing. So when you do um, customs like the, like the omens ones, it seems like you're always hand sculpting each and every dunny, every single omen. Do you ever foresee yourself wanting to get into casting so you don't have to? You're a mom now with two kids. You can't be hand sculpting every single piece. Do you, do you, but I, am. I know you need to start getting into a, a, a simpler reproduction stage and I know a lot of companies like you know kid robot they don't want you to um the cast it and then make multiples they want you to buy 20 of their dunnies and and mm. and do it that way but do you ever foresee yourself kind of getting you know making things a little easier for yourself and doing some hand casting and doing multiples that way I got all the, the gear for it. I got all the equipment. Um, I even bought myself a pressure pot. Damn! <laughs> um, I haven't used it much. <laughs> uh, no, I did uh, like a small run of these, um, of the Colossuses, like the first ones I did. I did a small run that I did it on my own. And I cast it and, you know, molded and everything. And same with the little bunnies I do, bun buns. Mm-hmm. Uh, those I've done myself. Um but I don't know. I just kept getting thrown back into sculpting again. I uh, I'm really scared of resin as well because it's quite toxic. Yeah. So I don't really want to use it in the house. Um, ah. but we are going to move eventually and get a garage, which means I can actually kind of use those things more often because you know I can ventilate well and you know keep it away from the kids and all that. I love the so way I you say garage. Is it garage? <laughs> Yeah, garage. <laughs> See, it sounds so much better the way you say it. When I say it, it's just garage, but yours is... Garage, yeah. I, no, I, garage. <laughs> I thought for someone that there would be a different term, too. I love all these UK terms I hear. What do you call the trunk of a car? Like We, we say trunk, you say boot. Yeah. See, I love all that stuff. I'm, I'm a little do just... you all have... But do you also call boots boots? Yeah, like shoes? See, that doesn't make so sense. There's a car... <laughs> it's all very confusing. So there's two boots. Two boots. There's a car boot and a foot boot. Yeah. Boot. <laughs> there is. But yeah, I know. you know, I've got a lot of slang into it. I mean, Swedish is my first language, but yeah, I uh, 
<laughs> since I my other half is British and you know I've just picked up the lingo I guess <laughs> now I'm not a world traveler but going from Sweden to the UK I mean that's is that was that a significant environment change for you I picture oh, yeah, I picture good. Sweden being like um more nature more a lot more open not as um crowded or yeah. yeah I don't know I just have this sense that Sweden is just like gorgeous icy lakes and trees and then you go to the UK and it seems more like it's just more city life is that the case or no Rossi, no. <laughs> uh, no I I do miss Sweden I miss the nature and things but UK has got its own grotty charm I guess <laughs> um I don't know it's I when I moved over here it was definitely a challenge with the whole population side of things there was so much happening here I had to stop watching the news because I was terrified of going out and, <laughs> and things like that but I got used to that now so I'm fine but yeah there's there's a huge difference definitely is Sweden is beautiful so much nature and you know the lakes especially I miss because UK haven't really got any lakes unless you go up to Scotland um but you got the coast here which is beautiful yeah well, and yeah. I've heard, too, that the UK is kind of gloomy. Like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which kind of was bummed me out. I don't know about you. I feel like I have seasonal affective disorder. So right now, winter is, like, beating hard on me. And I <laughs> pray for it to be sunny. I don't mind the cold. It's just missed sun. So I don't know. I feel like I find that kind of hard, too, if it were gloomy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's good. We live on the sort of south coast so we generally have pretty good weather here but um if you go more sort of inland it becomes gloomier i think <laughs> that's good at least, you're, at least you're near the coast and yeah you get used to it eventually yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah well um back to what we were uh talking about of your you know you went in your pressure pot and doing some resins previously mm-hmm. you know it does seem like customs does seem to be your focus, but do you feel like um, once time allows that you'd like to start delving back into more of your original sculpts or do you feel like customs is where you prefer to kind of focus? Um, I would like to do both sort of a, um, a good mix between the two. Um, I want to do more of my own things. Um, yet again, it's done to confidence and things like that, but I will, I will get there eventually. <laughs> Um, but I really want to do my own sculpts as well and and cool. do a lot of casting and things. Yeah, that's the plan that for the future. <laughs> right. I think that'll be awesome, especially if, if you can bring, uh, have a chance to bring some of these sketches to life. Oof, man. It'll be so <laughs> good. <laughs> I'll do my best. There was one other project that I know um, you had kind of started a while back, and I'm just curious if that's just one of the things that got pushed to the back burner. But I know one of the things you were customizing was actually containers for planters, like plant glass containers and uh, like clay pots yeah. customized with your creature faces. Whatever yeah. happened with those? Um, they're still sitting in my cupboard, slowly breaking. <laughs> I've got to do what I wanted to do. Yeah, again, so I need to cast them and things. And putting Sculpey on glass is not sort of the best approach to things because the glass expands in the oven and ah. and then sort of shrinks, so it gets cracks. But if you if you cast it straight away, it should be fine. And obviously, 
you know, once you got your first pull, uh, you can use that. But I didn't get a chance to do it quick enough, so they've cracked. And but I really want to do it still. Um, it's just you know getting the right environment to do it in. <laughs> but it will happen. Yeah. I love that sort of stuff. I love the stuff that's more, I love toys. I love collecting toys and having toys on my shelf, but I also love having the, the sort of design objects that are kind of more houseware based that can actually, Mm. it's like most of the toys, they're like my inspiration in my office. When I want to go into the home, you know, we don't decorate our, our home in toys as well. So it's like, but I would love to be able to go into my house and have, a pot designed by Tamadachi Island or, or a, you know, a beautiful vase that has more of a, you know, an art toy um, aesthetic to it. I, it would be neat to see more houseware stuff. I know Kid Robot was doing the, like the dunnies at the bookends and, and that's the sort of stuff I like. I would love to see more lamps with our toy aesthetics or bookends or vases or pots or you know, anything, you know, I even like um, wine openers. It's like a really cool owl, and like wine opener, I just love all that sort of stuff. Salt and pepper shakers, and so it'd be cool to see more stuff like that. Yeah, I love that too. I I think there should be more of it out there. So I'm I'm trying to get some of it. Then <laughs> we'll see what happens. Yeah, I want some Dunny salt and pepper shakers. Let's make that happen. Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> I'm I I'm game too. I'm all for housewares. Yeah. And so, yeah. Emily, another thing that I think I really appreciate about your work is just the presentation of your work. Beautiful photography, gorgeous settings, and I think that's something that a lot of people don't really think about. It's like sometimes people just come across as hobbyists in the way that they just present their work. They'll just take a, a photo with you know stuff in the background, not great lighting, and they'll just throw it up on Instagram, and, and it just never looks that great. But your work is always really well presented, very professional, and I really appreciate that about your work. So I imagine you spend a great deal of time preparing the photos and then you know tweaking things in Photoshop and such? Yeah, I think it's really important, and I, I think it also helps the quality of a piece as well. I mean, right. it's hard to sell something that you can't present the right way. Yeah. And I just find it so important with photography. I'm not big, I'm not enjoying it that much, but I think it's really important. <laughs> I hate sitting there editing and things. I, I don't know, computer just throws me. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's really important. So I do, you know, take the time to get it done properly and and well it definitely yeah. shows for sure it's yeah super important i think I, could, I, 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 I wish i could do it more like with sets and stuff but i haven't had a chance to create anything and i don't feel like buying things for it either because it never sort of looks the way you want it to so yeah. i'm kind of stuck with using white backgrounds so i'm starting to bring a bit more color into it actually which is a bit fun but <laughs> <laughs> yeah I like to do little yeah. sets and things. That's cool. I do think it definitely makes a difference when you, the, the time is worth it to spend and, and make sure that the way that you're presenting a work is done in a quality way. So it's definitely worth it. I mean, I, I get what you're saying about settings and stuff, but I don't know. I don't know if that's ne- like necessarily that critical. I think it's fun sometimes, but just mm-hmm. having... I think quality photography, even if it's just a simple background or like what you did for your most recent photo to promote with the their names and the sale dates and all of that. And it's just kind of a basic gray, gray and white sort of background. That is mm-hmm. I don't I don't see any fault in that. 
Like, I don't feel like it needed to necessarily be shot, like, were your omens out in a tree or anything like that. <laughs> um, you know, some of that stuff is fine because then you kind of visualize, like, oh, yeah, I could totally live there. But I think in general, just the fact that you spend the time on that so that, you know, the, the photos that you put out there are quality uh, is definitely yeah. worth it because it, it really helps reflect, I think, the quality of your work well yeah that's it um, yeah but at the same time like yeah sorry <laughs> well i was just gonna say at the same time it's, it's great when people take the time to do that sort of stuff with photoshop and enhancing and making the you know the piece look beautiful but as long as they're do, not doing like um like a vogue magazine cover treatment where everything is just blown out and it like if you saw that model in person you're like oh my god you do have acne or you do have a belly button <laughs> It's, it's one of those things where you want to pick up the toy and have it still sort of resemble the marketing campaign that you saw. So it shouldn't be like a total letdown when you see the piece in person. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I I would hope. To... Oh, God. I would hope most people aren't taking things that far. I, no. There's probably someone out there using the smooth tool to like get rid of their brush strokes or something like that. But most people <laughs> aren't even using Photoshop for this stuff. You know, you can still have the backgrounds and stuff back there. But, you know, Emily, your photos are gorgeous, and I, I really like your presentation. And I know I use Photoshop, too. I'll take things, you know, a lot of the times I haven't used, like, a white background like you have. I've taken it out in the environment. So sometimes I go into Photoshop, and I'll just knock out the background. But also what I do is I use it to try to adjust the colors to, the, to match what I'm seeing in hand. Because a lot of times when I snap a picture, it has a tough time capturing the true colors of the piece. So I'll adjust and tweak, you know, as yeah. needed. Well, that's yeah. what I do. I just, you know, adjust the levels and the contrasts and, you know, just to bring out, bring it as close to the, the finished piece as possible because it never looks the same when you've just taken a single photo. Mm -hmm. um, so it definitely needs editing. And then I tend to put them into sort of frames and like rounded corners and like to keep it that way, yeah. <laughs> especially for this, uh, my website look uniform. But yeah, it's. I think it's super important to go through all of this, yeah. whether it's fun or not. And like you said, not not go in and edit out anything that's actually there. I um, I remember doing some. There must have been some of my first releases, and I really struggled with them. And I had like everything just went wrong. I did some overpaint here and there, and the, when I finally um, varnished them, the paint cracked. <laughs> Oh, I think there no. was something wrong with my varnish. Uh, so, yeah, all the paint, all the white <laughs> paint, only the white paint cracked. Oh. Uh, so I just broke down crying after that because oh, I spent no. so much time on them. Uh, but then on the uh, the, um, the coverage Andy did on it, on Toy Chronicle, he said there was a bit of overpaint and, you know, he could see all the, def all the defects oh. on, the, on the actual... <laughs> So, yeah, so I'm not trying to hide those things. They, no, they no. were actually there and, you know, but you, they were like my first releases as well. It was really, really, I learned a lot from that release, um, mainly to not stress things because that's what I did. Yeah. Well, when you're sort of first starting out, I mean, you're bound, you're going to make tons of mistakes. And, you know, they say your, your failures are your greatest teacher. And then that's totally true because, you know, our meltdowns and our breakdowns and what makes us stronger. And that's what we learn from and, and you learn from it and you're never going to make that mistake again. Right. So, yeah. um, I know I definitely had one when I, uh, I did this hand painted run of 12 pieces of everything's called like the Siamese twins of circus dumb or something like that. And, uh, took me, you know, so much time and effort went into these pieces. And then, so I was using a, um, 
a spray can clear coat for them. And the first 10 went great, but I went on the final two. I went to spray them, and for some reason, I don't know if I didn't shake the can or enough or whatever, but um, white flecks shot all over the, the oh, final no. two, and I had to repaint them and everything. And I remember the, just the fury that was inside me when I saw that happen. I was, this was pushing up against the Comic-Con that was coming up, and I was just – I was so furious, and I was angry, and I was mad. I just – almost on a total breakdown. I don't remember if I cried or not, but <laughs> I, I do remember the fear of – do I use this product again? All the other ones look turned out great. So I went out and bought a new can and tried it, but man, that was terrifying. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, I never went back to using that that varnish again or the, the clear coat. I never went back to using it again. <laughs> I uh, got a completely different brand after that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Emily, so we're going to start winding down. You want to play a game of uh, lightning yeah. round with us? Lightning, lightning questions? Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. We'll be gentle. What was your uh, first designer toy purchased? Oh, wow. Um, I think it was one of those Oh No Sushi toys. Oh, Andrew Bell? Oh, that's a good one. What was your most recent designer toy purchase? Mm, Omens? That was... <laughs> no. Well, yeah, for customizing, but not for my personal collection. I think that was Toycom last year. Was it? Yeah, I bought some Nagoras then. That must have been them. Yeah, Konatsu Nagoras. <laughs> Your house is on fire. What three toys do you save? My quiet and my urban outburst. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. So, what have you designed to date that has been your favorite so far? Well, you know, what? I guess we already answered that. Yeah, that's my omens. <laughs> So tell, yes. let the listeners know, when is that releasing, at what time, date, and all that stuff? So it's releasing on Friday next week, so it's the 23rd of March, at uh, 9pm. That's British time or London time. Okay, and so there's three different colorways, <laughs> Dust, Dawn, and Twilight, yeah. and how many pieces of each do you have? Of uh, the large ones, the seven inches, there's just one of each colorway. Okay. Um, for Dawn, there's two three and a half inch and for twilight there's two um three and a half inch but the um the dusk is like completely on its own okay and are you (laughs) selling those all individually or by colorway uh individually okay so like i could go in and buy so there are three seven inch to choose from and Mm -hmm. four three and a half inch to choose from yeah cool that's it (laughs) And they'll be on my website, um, tomodachiisland.bigcartel.com. Damn. Good luck, everyone. <laughs> I, think, I think they're going to be hot. They're going to have to jump on those. see. <laughs> um, what was your favorite Patrick Swayze movie? Oh, that must be Dirty Dancing. Yeah. De- it's Dirty Dancing. I, th- I like it. <laughs> I, I, I love just accents. It's, I'm, I'm so sick of my boring American accent. Anytime I can hear someone else say something, she says it. I'll say it again. Dirty Dancing. <laughs> Gary, you need to go travel to like Australia or the UK <laughs> because I will tell you, I, I lived in Australia for a year and I never got sick of their accent and they never got sick of mine. And it was perfect. 
Like they always wanted to hear me talk and I always wanted to hear them talk. So we would just talk back and forth and like giggle because we'd be like, oh my God, wait, say that word again. (laughs) (laughs) I just sit around the house doing accents. I don't know if I'm accurate or not, but that's what I do. I'm I'm so annoying in real life, people. You don't know. You have no idea. Uh, what company would you want to work with most? Definitely Kid Robot and Mighty Jacks would be cool. Oh, I th- I thought you were gonna say Course. Yeah, I would, but of course I would. You know, oh, but... of course. I mean, it's a, it's a tough question because I'm sure you would love to work with yeah. all the different companies. But I thought, like, inspiration wise, I th- I feel like for some reason, like inspiration wise, definitely Course. But realistically. <laughs> <laughs> Kid Robot and Again, yeah. Kid Robot, I mean, if you're listening, make it happen. Her stuff is awesome. Yeah. Come on. Or if not, Dan at Unbox. Come oh, on. Oh yeah, now. Dan. Yeah. And he's and in I the He's in the UK. You guys can easily work together. Yeah. So Dan, I'm gonna I'm gonna we're gonna make that happen. Somehow. <laughs> we're gonna push you all two together. I was just to say, Mighty Jack seems to have gone like dirty birdie lately, Emily. Yeah, like, I feel that too. <laughs> you're gonna make a a PG thirteen or R rated toy? <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, like remember those old video stores where the triple X section was like the behind the drape? That's gonna be Mighty Jacks <laughs> at, at conventions. They're gonna be like in the back yeah, corner. You have to open a yeah. drape to go see their stuff. <laughs> I should say maybe as as Mighty Jacks was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just add a triple X for Mighty Jacks at the end. X X X. Yeah. <laughs> right. Maybe they will. <laughs> so, what was the one toy that surprised you at how much you were willing to pay for it? Mm, that would be the course Kwai as well. I was only meant to get one, but I get the chance to get two, so I bought two. Not that I could afford it, but I just did. <laughs> Were you able to buy those at retail? From yeah. Okay, that's good. Well, I was so lucky because those... um, they sold out, and I missed it because I was working. Uh, but I was lucky, and somebody cancelled their order. So, oh, nice! The right connections, apparently. <laughs> I got hold of some, so I was super happy. Super happy. Oh, awesome! Yeah, those were well. Those releases in general were kind of a cluster because most of them were through thailand and the website would always crash so it was always especially for at least us in the u.s i'm sure for you in the uk trying to order those was tricky yeah i'm super happy (laughs) i did find my daughter running around with them in the lounge the other day though and that was not fun i saw a silhouette of her doing sort of a I don't know, victory dance. And I could see a silhouette of my quiz in her hands. And I was like, no, what are you doing? Oh, I would have been like, no, like slow motion run in a movie. Like, no. Yeah, I swear I took the, the steps in, in just like one big jump. And yeah, they were out of yeah. hands. When, just you, when you say lounge, what's that? Oh, sorry, living room. Or, see, in, in the States, a lounge is like a, like a bar setting. I'm like, no, she's not going to take her four-year-old to a bar. But I've never, no. I've never heard a living room called a. That's what, my house living room is now because it's going to be the lounge. Yeah, kids, <laughs> clean up the lounge, kids. <laughs> the lounge is a mess. It's where you lounge, though, isn't it? You know, you, right. you hang out and you lounge. <laughs> no, it's called. It a, do you sense. not call it a family room? Do you not call it that, Gary? A family room? 
Uh, yeah, living room, family room. I think we call it the same. See, we it, we always had. There was a living room, which was like the room with the fancy furniture we weren't allowed in, and then there was the family room, which is where we were allowed. Yeah. Why <laughs> someone has a like a, an area of their house that they they're not allowed to go into, or they're not allowed to go right? sit, seems like a total waste <laughs> of space. But whatever. It does. <laughs> it it totally was a thing though. Like we had. Oh yeah, this, we all like, had that. Fancy yeah, it's like this fancy room with this couch we were never allowed to sit on. But it's like, what's the point of that couch? And every now and again, we might do a family photo in there. And then I feel like <laughs> as we got older, yeah. like somehow it became okay to finally like sit in there. <laughs> no, we had one of those rooms where the vacuum lines, you could always tell when someone stepped foot in there because there'd be a foot imprint because yep. those vacuum lines were the same for like an entire year. Yep. You've got yep. such amazing big houses over there, though. <laughs> we only got tiny houses here. <laughs> so you, you all have any absurd rooms like that where you have just like a stupid, pointless room that. <laughs> I wish we had a pointless room. <laughs> we actually we actually sleep in our living room as well on the sofa bed. <laughs> Hence why it's called a lounge. Yeah. <laughs> or you could just call it your bedroom if you want. Well. It kind of is as well. It's bedroom <laughs> and nursery and and living room. <laughs> oh, well, thanks. Multi-purpose. Well, thanks so yeah. much for coming on, Emily. I mean, we're, yeah, we're, we're cool. running long, but um, that was awesome. <laughs> great to finally talk with you. It is great to be on, finally. <laughs> okay. Yeah, appreciate you taking the time. I'm not going to take the blame for it taking forever. It's all on you, Gary. You. <laughs> uh, it is all on me. You know what? I'm a terrible booker. I don't like booking people. <laughs> I, I, I can I can talk, I can edit, I can do the promo images, but booking, I just don't enjoy. In fact, we probably won't even have an episode next week because I haven't booked anyone for it yet. <laughs> <sighs> well, Emily, you were worth the wait. Thank you so much. Yes, it was worth the wait. Worth the wait. So, Say, Emily, one more thing. Did you sell out of your enamel pins for Mini Hoot? No, I got loads of them. <laughs> I haven't oh, got okay. them up on the store, though. I haven't got a chance to put them up. Oh, I'm useless with some things. They were in my big cartel store, but I took them down, and now they're nowhere to be found for anyone to buy. So, But I will put them back up in my Etsy <laughs> okay, <cool>. store. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, get those added. I want to get um, want to get one of those to add to the pin collection. The More Champ Toy Hour, we're sitting on loads of our pins and pennants as well. So if you want to hear that stuff, head on over to, uh, where am I selling that stuff? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, can, I can help you out, I think. I don't know. Is it, I, is it my super let's I think it, uh, Let's see. Marsham pin. Yeah, it's at on your Superham website, Gary. Okay, so go to superham.com, click on shop. We got a pin. A pennant and other Gary things. Well, most of the other stuff is sold out, but um, yeah, we can, if you want a Martian Toy Hour pin or a pennant, superham.com slash shop. <laughs> oh, man. All right, Emily. So why don't you take a brief moment and let our listeners know where they can find you? Right, yeah, so um, you can find me on Instagram, which I, where I tend to be most active. It's uh, at Tomodachi Island, and I got my website, which is tomodachiisland.com. That's where I tend to be the most. Awesome. Well, thanks, mm -hmm. thanks again, and I hope uh, you do make it over to the States and we can finally meet. 
Yeah, will do. I do my best to get over there. Okay. <laughs> Teresa, where can people find you? If you're interested and want to find me, Teresa Hawkins, you can check me out on Instagram at tmhawk24. And I'm Gary Ham. You can find me at superham.com or Gary Ham on Instagram. This has been the Marsham Toy Hour. We do this every week, not because we have to, but because we want to. So until our next transmission, we're signing off. Bye. 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 Oh, <laughs> see what it's like. Do you listen to the show, Emily? Oh, yeah, all the time. Okay, so <laughs> now you know what it's like behind the scenes. It is not a seamless production. No! <laughs> <laughs>